Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daney. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. You will also get bonus content every month, including the audio versions of my regular columns for ESPN. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. Hello there. Being that this is the second part of our Alan Rambo McAnally big interview, we've called this part two. We focus on his time at Bayern Munich, which was cut short by the injury which effectively ended Al's career. He was in sensational form when he moved to Bavaria, but he proves to be a really good witness to life, routines, ideas, personalities at one of the biggest, greatest, most successful clubs in European history. Here's the story of what it's like to walk off the Hamden Park pitch after playing for Scotland and straight into a room where Uli Hoeneß and Jupp Heynckes tell you that they want you to play for Bayern. Not a bad day by anybody's standards. In the Bundesliga, Alan played with and was coached by some legendary footballers and one who'd become a treble winning coach, Hansi Flick, with whom he was particularly friendly. In the wake of Scotland's first tournament qualification since 1998 for France, and that wonderful draw, hello David Marshall, against Serbia, Big Rambo talks about what playing for his country at a World Cup felt like. This is fresh, new to everybody, but already it's a classic big interview. I can say that because I'm objective. I've got no interest here. Nothing to see, folks. Move along straight to part two of Rambo McAnally. If you enjoy it, please leave a review. If you don't enjoy it, tell me why. 
But if you have enjoyed the big interview, particularly this one, tell people, share it with friends, bring some light into people's life. That's really all I'm trying to do. And well, listen to great people talk about football too, which is fantastic. Thanks for joining us in the big interview. Before we bridge into Bavaria, we've got people who are called socios. They're, they're sort of members of the pod who've been with us for how many years, Alan? I can't tell you. And they're like family because um, they come to events that they're as keen as I am to hear guys like you talk in a relaxed way. Ian Arnott is one of the great ones, an ex, uh, a good not kill motorcycle rider. Um, and on the subject of plumbers, which we were on that subject last week when you almost when you almost lost one. Sorry to interrupt you here, right? We were go- I'm telling everybody, we're going to do this last week. And my mate, who genuinely is my plumber, did all my bathrooms, does... Listen, he always says to me, he went, have you got enough sugar in your bowl? Would you like me to come round and put sugar in your bowl? Because I, I, I can't even wash my own windows. Anyway, playing football, running about like a madman because he's like, I'll teach these young kids. Doesn't feel well. Goes grey as a thing. We get a phone call. Paul's really ill. Takes the hospital. Has a heart attack. I'm like, what? So of course I text him, giving it. You're at it. I'm no sugar in the bowl. Telling you guys, mate, cancel because my mates and I'm like, oh my god, everything that's happening in the world at the moment in time. All of a sudden that drops on you, and you're like, my god. Anyway, the good news is everybody. He's, uh, he's absolutely fine. Paul, stay well if you ever listen to this. And also, think about tiki-taka, Paul, mate. Just, n- never mind the sprints, just let the ball do the work. Ian Arnott is one of the, the plumbing brotherhood. And Ian says, Could you ask Alan, what was it like to cross one of the biggest divides in world football? After playing for Air United to finally come home and play for Kamarnock, following in the footsteps of his title-winning father. Ian... I never wanted to play for Kilmarnock for one simple reason, was because of dad. There was no urgency for me to say, I want to play for the same team as my father played. To be quite honest with you, my career was finished. It was over. My knee was done and dusted. <clears throat> and if it hadn't been for one man, I would never have even been at Kilmarnock, was the late, great Tommy Burns. Great man. I have had some friends in football and looked up to people in football and had Tommy Burns not been the manager of Kilmarnock, I wouldn't have gone there to coach the kids. And I certainly wouldn't have. And, and obviously, I had a little bit of a break. So my knee was kind of less inflamed, and et cetera. So they went, come on, we've got a great atmosphere here. You, George McCluskey, you know, some of the young players around about us at the time. He says, come on, sign a contract for three months and, you know, play in a few games. And, you know, we, we can survive. We can, we can not go down. I'm like, TB, I, I, no. I like just, he says, come on, it'll be great, in the dressing room and all that. And I'm like, fair enough. So I said, I played six or seven games, didn't even score a goal. Didn't score a goal, honest to God. But in terms of the camaraderie and helping the lads during the game, I, mean, I think we even got to the semi-final of the Scottish Cup. We're unlucky not to beat Rangers, actually. And I think I was on the bench with Toby and he brought us on, but we, I think we got beat 1-0. And for not Tommy Burns, I would never be able to say I was a Kamarnock fan because I had no desire to be because Dad was such a hero there. But he was the reason Ian and I went to Kilmarnock and I, I am so glad that I did um, just to be around him. He was that fantastic. 
He was a Celtic man through and through, very, very, you know, religious man, Tommy, um, family man. I mean, one brilliant story, and it's not a slight on Tommy, it's just the way he was. We had a Christmas party in Glasgow at Celtic, and everybody arrived at half past four, and at ten past seven, taxi for Burns. We were like, has he been drinking? What the hell's he been doing? <laughs> Tommy doing? Get half past seven, we're here for two hours, you're like, ah, What? You better get him a taxi. Big Roy, I can see Big Roy Aitken lifting him up and putting him into a taxi, sending him back he to was, Rosemary. He was just the best. And then the following morning at training or something, he'd be like, right, let's go! Lovely, he was lovely. just the best infectious guy you've ever met in your life. He's just a superstar, Tommy Burns. I'm not going to the, the second and final part of this without... We, Jackie's come up twice. Um, I, I wasn't old enough to see him in that Kilmarnock side. Just a snapshot of the type of player your father was. Because... That achievement, that side. Okay, it was in an era where Dundee won a title, I think two years before, I haven't won it since, Kilmarnock won that title, knocked over big names in, in Europe uh, and thrashed some of them. Just a snapshot of what you understand your dad was like as a footballer. Yeah, I think he was leaner than me. I've got my thighs are big thighs. My dad was a bit thinner, but he was very tall, my dad, 6'2", and he would take the ball, he used to call them China legs, China legs. Uh, and he used to take the ball and just take it for a run and just go past people for fun and, and stuff, you know. Um, I remember Dad telling me uh, one of the European nights, they'd gone to Eintracht Frankfurt and got beat 3-0, I'm going to say, I can't remember now. And Dad gave the ball away at Rugby Park and it was 4-0. And he was like, oh my God, that's a great start. And then they went on, he you know, scored five goals and there was literally people on the side of the pitch. It was one of them, like, he was telling me, he said, it was just incredible, it was brilliant, et cetera, et cetera. And even he used to get still excited and teary-eyed when he, when he thought about it. But Dad was um, an inside right, so let's just say like a, mid, a midfield player, midfield forward player. Uh, let's go, who would he be like? Maybe like a Bruno Fernandes nowadays, so something like that. Wow. Uh, but a very gifted football player, um, Dad was. Uh, and yeah, I was uh, fortunate to get the McInally jeans. Everything now is about the internet knows everything in, in advert commas. And and when when I grew up, football managers there, there really weren't so many things called agents. Football managers used journalists to tap um, players up and, and and to get the deal done ahead of times. You're at Villa, they love you. And Bayern Munich come calling. How do you find out about it at first? I bet you were at this game. We played. Chile at Hamden, Scotland. I scored, played really well, and I've got my dad with me. <clears throat> and I'm driving dad back down to air because I'm staying at mum and dad's before I drive back. No, I was getting the train back to Birmingham. I'm driving my dad's car because he wants a whiskey. Big Jake wants a whiskey. Fair enough. So I'm going to drive back, stay at mum and dad's. He's dropping me at some like half six in the morning at Glasgow Central to get to Birmingham New Street because we were training on the Thursday afternoon about half two, three o'clock back at Villa. And after the game, as a, a guy, an agent, says to me, you do me a favour. Um, he said, look, Bayern Munich were here. He said, they've been watching you for a month. I was like, oh, right, okay. He said, would you go and meet them? I said, I've got my dad with me. My dad's like, I want a whiskey. And I'm like, you'll get a whiskey, don't worry about it. So I'm going to say, and it was the hotel, you'll probably remember the name of it. It wasn't the Hilton, it was the one bit in the back of the Hilton. It was almost 
underneath the flyover, right next to the flyover, big brown hotel. So I go there, and I say, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm not doing anything anyway. So we go in, the big man gets a whiskey, I'm sitting down, in I go, early Hooness, Yup Hankus, President Fitzsherer, and uh, another one from the Presidium. Beckenbar wasn't there, which I was kind of quite happy with, to be honest. That's all I would have needed. And early Hooness is like, hello, good evening, how are you? And I was like, he went, well done tonight, that was really good. He said, you must be really proud and all that. I said, yeah, yeah. And Yup, Yup doesn't say anything. Yup says almost nothing, because his English is pretty non-existent, to be honest, back then. And I like, start talking about, you know, <clears throat> Aston Villa. I said, we you know, watch you for a few weeks and that. And, you know, would you be interested in coming to Bayern Munich? If he'd have, if he'd have given me a pen there and then, I'd have probably just signed the contract, not even knowing what I was going to get. But of course, I wanted to say, oh my God, yes, please. But it came out as, well, that would be, you know, be nice. I'm, I'm still an Aston Villa player. I'd need to speak to my football. He says, don't you worry about that. And I was like, okay. I said, he said, look, we just wanted to touch base. It was an opportunity for us to come and watch you in person and meet you in person. Thanks for coming to meet us. And I'm thinking, not a problem. <laughs> They're like, okay. I don't remember passing through Kilmarnock or even getting to the West Coast where mum and dad lived. I was such in a high after the game and then meeting somebody like Hunas and Hankus. Basically, who said, look, we'd like you to come to Bayern Munich. Um, see you later be in touch and I was like now my dad who's like my agent he's like oh, that'd be that'd be good that'd be hard that'd be tough that you know it won't be like Aston Villa or Celtic that you know you, that's uh, his dad think, dad's thinking St Etienne Paris Saint-Germain Atletico Madrid Real Madrid Milan Bayern you know Borussia Mönchengladbach all these huge European teams this is a step up and I'm saying, well, I'd, I'd, I'd go. I think I'd go. Anyway, go back to go back to Villa Park, thinking nobody knows. Taylor, you in here now? I was like, it's impossible for him to know. It's it's in the, in my head. I was like, right, we must be going for another farm run. What do you think you're playing at? I said, what do you mean? I'm, he said, don't look, look. Look, I already know you've spoken to them. I was like, how? How did you know? How did you possibly know? There was a guy called Jim Walker who was the physio who really liked me. And Jim had actually driven to, go to Scotland, didn't even ask me for a ticket, watched the game and then drove back. And he'd obviously spoken to someone and he'd said, well, big man's going to meet. And I was like, that's unbelievable. You can't do anything, anything anymore anyway. Everybody knows where you are, what your business is. And he wouldn't speak to me for two weeks. And I mean, he wouldn't speak to me. I'd phone the ground. Maureen, can I speak to the gaffer? He won't speak to you. I'm like, fair enough. We're getting to the end of the season. And I can remember playing Coventry in the last day of the season and saying to, saying to big Brian Coquelin, we used to call him killer, right? Big Brian Coquelin was the, the centre-half at Coventry. <clears throat> I said, look, Brian, big man. I said, look, Bayern Munich's here watching me again today. And he's like, I know. He said, don't have a problem with you, big, don't have a problem with you or big Tom or big man. Don't have a problem. I don't like that Martin Keown, though. He's getting it every day. And we were like that. <laughs> <laughs> so Gary Thompson and I are like that. Oh, that'll do is Brian, no problem. I don't like that Martin Keown. He's getting it today. Nil-nil, honestly. Worst game ever, last day of the season. Who cares? And I thought, oh, well, that's that. Kind of done and dusted. 
Next thing they'd offered 1.2 million. Graham Taylor phoned me up. He said, listen to me now. He says, A, don't let me down. He said, there is my number. If you need me at any time, wow, you've wow. my number. Wow. And basically, and basically went, on you go. Show them what that's, you can do. That's class. Show, don't let me down. Show them what you can do. Let me tell people what you showed them because... One of your earliest games, one of your earliest games is in the cup. It happens to be against Eintracht Frankfurt, who who your dad, you know, had, had knocked out of the European Cup. Um very early in it you wouldn't you you'd no knowledge at the time, you might not know it now. I think your first goal made by Hans Flugler, you're playing against uh, Leroy Sane's dad, Suleiman Sane, um, because you're playing against Nuremberg. And and just let me tell like no stop. Graham, before I tell him that, what did you genuinely know in that hotel meeting about the, the two guys in front of you? From, from Because television wasn't deluged with continental football, there was no internet. What did you know, snapshot? Could, could you, did you even immediately recognise Uli Hernes and Newt Pankis? It's all very well now, but back then, the, what did you know about them? Uli, Uli looked like the player... That, that played for Bayern, longer, blondy hair. Um, he was kind of immediately recognisable, but not Jupp Heynckes. I didn't know what Jupp Heynckes looked like at all. No. I didn't even know that Jupp Heynckes was a top international football player, revered by every single person in the whole of Germany. Striker. Borussia Mönchengladbach played at oh. the project. Brilliant striker. Listen, I can remember we played Borussia Mönchengladbach and. Nobody wanted to speak to Augenthaler, Flugler, Hansi Flick, or me. They only wanted to speak to to um, to Jupp, uh, because he was he was loved there, even though he was a Bayern Bayern Munich boss. But go in, in the very beginning, Uli Hoeneß had said, "Look, there's a couple of things." He says, "We expect to win the title, and we will." And I'm like, "Okay, no pressure there." Then he said, "We were only won the Champions League," and I'm like, "So do I." Okay, he said, and. You need to learn German. I was like, right, okay. And I'm thinking naively, does everybody not speak English in mm. Munich? Mm. And he went, some people speak English, but a lot of people don't. This is Bavaria. This is not even part of Germany. This is a dialect here. This is Bayerish. Anyway, I was like, okay. <clears throat> and every Thursday night for the first six months, I had a German tutor would come to the house. Should we come in and get good nabbing for Gatesdale? Come off, must be off passing, and be careful. And I was like, I don't know what you're saying. On my life, she goes, This is a German lesson. We will speak German, not English. I speak high English. Whoa. And I was like, I don't even speak. I was like, It's high English. I don't even know what high English is. And she was brilliant. And I was saying to her, I said, but if, if I can, if I can just, can I just stop you there a minute and say, if you just tell me what that is in German and tell and tell me what it is in English, I'll remember it rather than the Muslim new Deutschsprachen. We can only speak German on the jeden Donnerstag Abend. We have eine halbe Stunde learning, and you know, for one and a half hours we will learn German. I'm like, I ain't learning like that, and I swear to God, I've still got my German English dictionary that I carry everywhere with me, and I just immerse myself into the whole shooting match learn German, and the only way I can say that the lads accepted me, apart from, you know, with my play on, on the part, was 
at the beginning, they would say good morning or Maltzeit, which is a, a rather posh way of, of greeting somebody. They would say morning, big man, because they knew I spoke German. And they were like, what's that in English, Al? You know, that's his das in deiner Sprache. What is that in your language? I mean, there was a couple of players. Hans Flugler was just a diamond guy, huge, big guy. He won the World Cup, just a mega, you know, he'd be clearing one off the line and four and a half seconds later, he was crossing one at the back post and you're like, that's a physical impossibility. And Augenthaler, who was the god, Klaus Augenthaler, yeah. the god of, yeah. I think he was the only one that did a beer advert, you know, like he did Leuvenbrau or something that was made in Munich. Augie's on the top giving it that, you know, that just wouldn't happen. And I, he, he used to go, come on, Mike, let's go. We used to go to this beautiful place called Tegensee. It was about 60, 65 kilometres out of Munich. We used to stay there before the games, all the home games. Get us away. We would train literally under, at the bottom of the mountain next to a lake. It was just, just gorgeous. And he would say, so we'd have a meeting in the morning. And he'd go, Mike, let's go. And I'd take a bread roll with me and we'd walk along the side of the, he'd light a cigarette and talk to me about the game in German and he wanted his English to be better and he would tell me what the team expected of me. I mean, Heinkes must have pulled Augie and said, you know, get him into line and all that jazz. And I'd feed the ducks on the way out and we'd walk the length of a cigarette and then he'd light another cigarette and we'd walk all the way back and I'd be like, okay, you know, thanks Klaus and, you know, get your German good and get this and that. And Augen Thaler is like a god, by the way. And he's yeah. taken mega, mega time with me. And I think even some of the other players saw it actually because he was a bit, not aloof, put it this way, when you're getting ready to go to training, you couldn't go onto the training pitch until Klaus was ready to go. There was a proper hierarchy. Proper. Could I say the word regal? Did he have a regal aura about him? Aye, very. But not only that, though, I can remember we saying Jürgen Kohler. Jürgen Kohler won the World Cup for Germany, by the way. They'd just come from Cologne. And we were just bringing in a new centre-half. And I wasn't aware of this at the time. So you'd have Beckenbauer and Heinkes and Hunes and uh, Müller-Wolfart, the doctor, and all the, the masseuses in one table, and then two tables of 10 with all the players. You could have a beer with your dinner. One beer. If you'd won a German title or you're an international football player. Brilliant, no problem. And I don't remember one player ever overstepping that mark. It was almost as though I can't wait to win a title or I can't wait to be an international football player to have a beer with my dinner mm. with Bayern Munich. And I'm talking about really good players. Kastenmeier, Jürgen Kohler, who'd just come in for big money, who still hadn't actually played for the national team. I don't remember ever seeing him have one beer at his dinner until he'd done it. A brilliant marker, a guy who maybe would be the, the second of the centrals. The central next to him would be bigger and Kohler would be like a limpet, never giving you an inch to move or think. He'd bite his granny. I'm telling you now, he'd bite his granny. That's the kind of player he was. And then, of course, you know, the boys are getting restless. It's get, They're still, you know, get a massage on a Friday night and Augie would hit the glass, right? And Heinkes would go, oh, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> Augie's the catalyst to start the whole thing off and, and then he would say okay Bedrua Halb Elf you know get your bed at half past ten Andy that needs to see the dock see the dock now um, uh, nine hour morning through Frühstück and you know breakfast at nine and away we would go and and it, there was a proper and I don't remember Andy throwing the you know the, the, the toys at the pram there there was players that weren't happy because they weren't playing 
because there was no reserve team. There was no second team. There was 24 players and 11 people played on a Saturday. That's how difficult it was. That was something I'd struggled with at the beginning. Although, thankfully, you know, before I got injured, I was always, if I was fit, I was always in the team. And my first season was just amazing. I missed two games. One was because um, I got uh, four bookings and I think I, was, uh, I missed the game. And the last game, we'd already won the title by three games to go. We played Dortmund and Heinke said, do you want to play? And I said, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll play. He says, no, it's entirely up to you. You don't need to if you don't want to. And I went, I said, we'll play one of the young boys or something. And we won 3-0. And I sat, it was a beautiful day. And we came out in the Olympic Stadium in Mercedes sports cars. They were just brilliant and brilliant days. And, you know, it's, 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 when I look back on it now, I think, well, how can a little boy for air end up at Bayern Munich? <laughs> I'm here to tell you about another podcast. Yes, we believe in biodiversity. It's from the makers of The Big Interview, and it's called Between the Lines, the stories behind great sports writing. Every episode takes a classic sports book or outstanding piece of sports writing and examines how the writer crafted their story. This is a weekly show, and the series so far has featured documentaries on the miracle of Castel di Sangro and Andrea Perlo's autobiography, I Think, Therefore I Play. There's also interviews with writers like Henry Winter, Simon Cooper, Andy Mitten, and David Goldblatt. Here's Raf Honigstein with his brilliant piece focusing on Erling Haaland signing for Borussia Dortmund instead of fill in the blank, but we know it's Manchester United. A transfer story is essentially a happy story. Three parties got what they wanted. Everyone thought that they had done great work and had got a great deal out of it. Dortmund were proud of their achievement of getting this guy. Haaland, I think, was really, really happy with having made this decision. I think the agent obviously wanted to show that why this was the right decision and and why others were wrong to sort of dismiss the reasons why they went, etc. So as as much as it is a detective work, it's not solving a murder case. You are dealing with something that is actually quite positive and that people are to an extent quite happy to talk about. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tala, you've painted, painted such a picture of the man and there aren't many football clubs or national sides that I've ever heard of, investigated, been with, where the manager, there's always two or three around the, the manager who are his Praetorian guard, but that one footballer might speak before the manager or take care of the administration openly, quietly in the dressing room when the manager's not there, packed yeah, but I've never heard of what you've described there and that Heinkes is a man who, they, latterly they called him Osram because he went red when he lost his temper and he could lose his temper and he was a very direct spoken man. He was an athletic Bobby. He was the guy who said, you know, we're a little athletic, we're a little Volkswagen and we're competing with Ferraris and Maseratis around Europe because we can only sign Basques. He's very direct indeed and, and, a, and a guy who took Bayern to, to the treble but he was your coach at the time. Why do you think, he, or what was it about his personality, irrespective of the fact that Alcantara was a, a majestic specimen, a specimen of a man, he was about your size and athleticism, sort of, and an extraordinary footballer bringing the ball out, competitive, a winner. What was it about Heinkes that allowed that, that sharing of power? And what was Heinkes like as a coach for you? He, he was very strict, Graham, you know, uh, everything was a visual for Heinkes. You used to walk in the corridor and you would see your weight on the wall. Weighed every day. Never had a Sunday off. I don't remember having a Sunday off at Bayern Munich in my life when players complain about, oh, we're training again. I'm like, we used to, it didn't matter where we were on a Saturday. Even if we flew back in the Sunday morning, we went straight to the training ground to train. So everything was about that for him. Um, I think he was revered anyway because all the German boys knew how good a football player he was. You know, he's, mm-hmm. you know, played for the national team, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and, and carried a lot of weight behind him. And he might have changed a little bit. Well, maybe not actually. When he was at Bilbao and then Real Madrid, of course, where he, he won the Champions League, came back to Bayern, won the Champions League again when they were at. Uh, and in fact, he had me in and around the team that that little trip. The one against Dortmund, I was literally with. The team and him and you know everybody. It was it was fantastic. The game was obviously in London. Uh, the game was at Wembley, um, and he was he, he was always good to me. But he was very strict. He was quite kept every arm's length a little bit. I don't think you could get too close. I don't think you got to the inner sanctum if you were a football player with Jupp Heynckes. Um But he is loved by Bayern, and the job he did there was brilliant. All right, he certainly wouldn't have come back. He was a striker like you. He's he's definitely. Shaped and you, he was a different kind of football. He was a striker in that organization. Who'd have had the so was Uli Hoeneß, which maybe some people uh, uh, listening now would forget. Who'd have had the biggest voice, or who ever told you, Well, listen, Alan, this is the first time we saw you. Rumeniga was more business and, 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 and direction of the club, Uli, business, but also a voice in the football and, and a fan, like. Almost an ultra, and then who who had the louder voice about this this guy Alan McAnally? We've we've got to have him. I would think early probably uh, until you had obviously seen me play a couple of times. Then obviously come and no, he physically came to watch me play. 
You know, I think he still had the bigger voice in terms of who he wanted to come in. Um, it was difficult. When I, I mean, I, st I still remember myself sitting in the <clears throat> whatever hotel conference room we'd be sitting in for the team meeting and they're speaking German. You know, I'm looking at the pictures on the wall thinking, I wonder if that was here last season when another football club was in here. You know what I mean? And then, and then Alan would be like, uh, surely go, yeah, sorry, I'm listening. But like, <laughs> Because my German wasn't that good at the time. And then one of the masseuses, to be fair, his English was very good. And Hunes was good as well. And they would sit with me afterwards and just say, look, this is how we're going to play. So we're going to play. This is the formation. You're marking. You're doing this with the ball, without the ball, et cetera, et cetera. And they always used to talk about that. And it's something I say quite a lot on television now. Football's a brilliant game. But there's definitely two sides to the game. Having the ball and not having the ball. Not having the ball sometimes can be every bit as important, if not more important, when we don't have the ball. Now, you're talking about a football team that used to majoritively have the majority of the ball with Bayern Munich. But even they were like, hey, if we don't have the ball, there's a job to be done here. Because the first thing we want to do is get it back. And I was like, well, that makes sense. Teeny wee thing, stupid wee thing. Bayern Munich, big thing. So stuff like that, Henkes was certainly strong, but strong on making sure I knew what my job was. And to be fair to you, Pankis, <clears throat> and I would love you to ask him this to see if I was telling a lie. I used to have a massage <clears throat> from a guy called Axie Gapart, who's just a diamond guy, one of the masseuses. And I would go about half eight and we'd put on Monty Python, stupid things on the TV and all that. You know, like the 100 metres dash for, yeah. for people without that, you know, where they were going. And, 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 and I'd tell the story. We didn't have it on the TV. We'd just talk about it, rather. And Patsy and I would be laughing incontrollably <laughs> and just about things. But every Friday night, your Pankis would come in to where he knew I was getting a massage, ask me how I was, speaking in German and blah, blah, blah. And I could see Axie's, uh stupidity change when the gaffer came in. Because he would kind of back straight, start giving a bit of that. How's that on your wrist, Al? Is that okay? Um, and every single time I had a massage on a Friday night, your pinky would come in and make sure I was all right. Every, every time for the whole length of time I was a Bayern Munich player. The club and when I, look, when I look back now, I think of a, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was kind. Two guys can't escape our focus because, you know, Uli Hannes, injured young, won the World Cup in 74. His plane came down and he walked away. Not a lot of people walk away from plane crashes. He did his his exuberance about I know best led him to get the jail uh, because he, he didn't think rules applied to him. But there are very few ex-footballers in the history of our sport who've led and built a club like he did, and, and people forget that in, in the 40s and 50s, and even in the early 60s, just as Uli was coming to the youth system, Bayern wasn't a great club. The greatness has come late 60s and thereafter forever. And and his his name, not everybody likes him, and, and we were laughing because we both know it, but like, as a director of Bayern, he's been in punch-ups in director's box because it's as if he's got a wee bit of Scottish blood in him. Uh, to, to, to what degree did you get an insight into the man? I love Uli Hunes. I was genuinely sad about the jail thing. I remember somebody said to me, said, Uli's in Gefengnis. And mm. I was like, Gefengnis? 
What's that? He went, Uli's in jail. I was like, what? Well, I was, I was shocked. But I'll tell you three, three stories. <clears throat> Says to me, he went, you speak to me in German and I'll speak to you in English. I was like, okay. He said, if you get 10-headed goals, I'll give you 100,000 Deutschmarks. I was like, okay. Radmila Mihailovic and I went to a nightclub on Thursday night. And then the Saturday morning in the lift, he pointed to me and he said, don't do that again. I was like, don't do what he went. You were out Thursday night. I was like, how in God's name did you know? But of course, he is Mr. Munich. That's how he knows. He said to me, come on, you're coming for lunch. And I was like, oh, brilliant. I said, where are we going? He went, you're coming to the house. Meet my family, my wife, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, brilliant. And I don't have anything here, actually. I wish I'd. And he went, there you go. Hold that, the World Cup. Ah, beautiful, man. Yeah. I was like, seriously? I got to play in at three games and straight home. But I'm now holding the German World Cup. I was like, <clears throat> I can't really top that, really. It's impossible. But he loved the way I tried and gave my best. He's just, he's just a, a legend of a man at Bayern. And for me, he was fantastic. And there's one genuine point I should say. My career finished when I was 30 years old from an injury. I was so unlucky. You know, and I'm expecting to be at Bayern for 10 years. He looked after me. I was probably lucky that my career finished at the very top level with someone like Uli Hoeneß at the helm because he looked after me to make sure I was okay. So human decency in a sport where as much as we love our, our sport, at the, end, the industry you, you excelled in can be quite cold. It can be full of deceit too. And you're contrasting the fact that he was what human and decent and saw somebody he liked who, who'd been hit by the worst thing that happened to a footballer, which is a career-ending injury. And, and he, he, he stood up for you. Absolutely, for sure. And even now, and I can and I can see him now. If I walk into his office, if I go back to Sabinestraza, where the in Munich, where the training ground is, and I walk into his office, I can see him sit back there, go, Mister McIntyre. <laughs> I can see him do it. He does all the things like Mister McIntyre. <laughs> what? Tell me what's you know? And he's you know, I just have a genuine a genuine affection for the man, uh, and obviously still for the for the football club because, like I said, who'd have thought that uh, a wee boy for air would end up at Bayern Munich? Who'd have thought that Hansi Flick would have would have ended up being um, the second Bayern Munich to, to manager to win a win a treble? Maybe you had some inkling then. I mean, for those who've forgotten, he he takes over from Kovac in the middle of last season at a time when geez, Eintracht Frankfurt come up again. Eintracht Frankfurt have pumped Bayern, put five past them, and they're a, they're a rabble. Kovac is unsympathetic. The players don't like his training. He was an ex central defender at Bayern and successful but for whatever reason they just look ragged and by the end of the season they've, they've Flick's won them everything what is it about Hansi Flick you can tell us that lifts our understanding of the guy that's made Bayern so successful yeah, he's quite a, quite a quiet guy you know he wasn't the loudest in the dressing room by any manner of means I used to play backgammon with Hansi all the time we'd sit on the balcony and play backgammon I'm sure he still owes me money he must have a few quid by now Studious in terms of football, would I have said he'd be? Yeah, probably. I'd probably have thought he'd go down the manager route. You remember he was the assistant manager when they won the World Cup in Brazil, yeah. uh, when Joachim Löw was the manager. So you know he's learning from the top place. He then took a bit of a back seat and went into the sort of DFB, 
And then Bayern came calling and uh, it was almost a no-brainer for Hansi to go and take it. I think he's pretty matter-of-a-fact. But I do think the influence he's had on Thomas Muller that Kovac didn't have has helped the whole shoot match at Bayern as well. Because he's a kind of, not an Uli Hoeneß figure, but he's that important to Bayern Munich. He's got that, yes. that Bavarian stamp on the forehead. He's a Bayerish lad. You know, he likes a beer. He speaks Bayerish. He plays brilliant. He gives everything he's got. And I think with the players that he's obviously injected into the football team, it's just been a time for Hansi Flick to switch the, switch the whole thing, turn Bayern around and make them European champions. Um, and he thoroughly deserves it. He's done a brilliant job. And by the way, if you get to meet him, he's quite quiet. You know, he's not brash in any way. And he's, he's quite profound. And maybe that's one of the reasons why he's, he's done so well in terms of being a study of football the way he wants to play and get players in to play them in a, a particular position and make them as good as they possibly can be. About 365, the last one, and you mentioned the World Cup and that you played in it. Describe the feelings and emotions of walking out to represent your country, the mighty Scotland, in a World Cup fixture. I can't. There is no words. You're as good a wordsmith as I know. You are in your commentary. You are in your written press. You, I, I don't know. I thought about my grandfather, my dad. I thought about the fans. I thought about people in a pub in Inverurie. It's hard to comprehend. There's a huge, there was a huge... I didn't feel huge pressure. I certainly felt huge disappointment because the game against Costa Rica... I mean, you've got myself and Morris Johnston and Roy Aitken and Alec McLeish and Willie Miller and Jim Bett and Richard Goff and none of us can score a goal. None of us. We got beat 1-0. We then beat Sweden 2-1 and get beat by Brazil 1-0. We go home after three games... And, and Roxborough, Andy Roxborough, who was the manager, and Craig Brown, the assistant manager, must still to this day be thinking, how in God's name did we not get to go through the group with Brazil? And if, it's, if, there's, if there's one game I would change, and, and I mean only one, you lose football matches, you can be lucky, you can be a little unlucky. There was only one game in my entire career I would change, and it's the game against Costa Rica. And it wasn't because we were flippant or arrogant or thought we were going to win. We could have played till now and not scored. You can imagine the amount of people that were thinking, oh, brilliant. And we know what the Tartan Army's like. And, you know, and you, you could suck the ball into the net at times and it just wasn't going to be. But it was just the best feeling ever to hear. I can't... If you played the bagpipes now, I'd start crying. There. Ah, that's how it I'm is on. to play for Scotland. If you that's play for perfect. Scotland, you hear the bagpipes, I'm out of here. Can't happen. Beautiful. I'll go in a minute if you don't. I'm, I'm, all, I'm getting all... Teary and all. The last one is um, I, don't, I, I wish I was ending on a different note, but whenever I've listened to you on television, and, and I'm lucky enough to have seen you play, and I know that you've got a massive enthusiasm for life and that you've enjoyed your life subsequent to football, and you've enriched our lives, those who haven't played football, because of the way that you communicate the thing that you did best in life. You said that you had a lovely spell with TB at Kamarnik coaching. Whether it was coaching, doing the Uli Hoeneß side of football, whether it might be player selection in this director football role, to what degree, notwithstanding the fact that you've had a, a, a rich, happy life that's kept you young and vital and popular subsequent to your playing career to what degree do you think have I invested all my talents could I have thrived 
back right inside the football world or zero regrets? No, lots of regrets that I didn't, that I'm not a coach or a manager or I did all my coaching badges right away as soon as I got injured. I went, you know, I went with Roxborough and everybody and down to Inverclyde and you had Mourinho. Everybody was coming at the time we do the coaching yeah. badges. I got everything. I got an A, then I did an A plus. Nobody phoned Alan McAnally to say, he must have some experience. We'll give him a chance to be a coach or a manager. I ended up being in television very, very quickly. Um, and obviously with my knowledge in the football and doing my coaching badges, I was quite confident in speaking about the way teams played, the way I would like them to play, um, and lucky to keep my job, and lucky to watch football and try and paint a picture of every game I'm at. I'd be as, ex- as excited as I'd normally get. Because it, it doesn't, unless I'm watching a really bad game, people are like, oh, big man's in a bad mood today, like a shot on target. But I can make pressing against Millwall sound like a European Cup final. And thoroughly enjoy it as long as I've got a wee five or side bet and speak to Jeff down the line and have the relationship with Jeff Sterling that I do have on television. Alan, no bullshit, no moonshine. Um, that's just been epic. Absolutely epic and, and beautiful. Thank you for being so generous. Go and play your socks off. Bring the handicap down before the winter greens are in there. And, and thank you very much indeed. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us, at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.